Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I don't know if there's ever been a sermon that I feel more impressed to preach than this one. We're starting something called a Refresh series, and how many need a fresh start? Oh, yeah. How many know it's beautiful that His mercies are new every morning? Um, I, where would we be without grace? Amen? I, a friend of mine is a pastor, and he said, I wouldn't make it to heaven without grace. I think we all need that that particular mindset. So I want to talk to you about a common reoccurring thing that happens every summer that, you know, fire and medical rescue people have to deal with, and that is individuals that don't stay hydrated. Um, They don't realize that they're getting so dehydrated until it's almost, you know, beyond the point of them being helped. But how many like the graphic that we have up here? That's Sister Lisi. (laughs) She did a good, she did a good job. We uh, commandeered her for modeling and, and I made her a guinea pig, so she did a good job. I want to preach to you for a little while about staying hydrated. How many know it's important to have good fluid count, good fluids? All right, Acts 3 verse 19 is where I want to start today, and I think that the Lord's going to help me in a very special way communicate to you how I feel about this, um, and maybe in some way, shape, or form, we'll be able to sew together in the next couple, four weeks something that interwoves into your heart and makes you affects the fabric of your being. This week I want to talk about staying hydrated obviously and really uh to reach for revival. To reach for it. Don't give up reaching for revival. Um in your own spirit in in this church um just the the fact that we have to strive for it. Um and and in doing so we get dehydrated at times and so we must dehydrate. The other thing is uh, next week I want to talk to you a little bit about erosion control and just how whenever you have whenever you have uh, the rock of Jesus Christ in your life it, it controls how much you lose amen. It controls how much can fall out of your life because you're standing on a firm foundation and then the next week after that Nate's going to be bringing the word which I'm really excited about that. How about you? He's going to be bringing the word, and he's going to be talking about times of refreshing. And then uh, the following week, I'm going to be preaching as we do this little series. Here, we're going to be—I'll be preaching on finding your flow. And next week, I want you to be here if you can. Don't miss it because I'm going to be talking about the stages of change and how I've watched over the years of my life living in Pentecostal realms and worshiping and seeing people dance and fall out and roll on the floor and end up underneath the pew by the time the service is over, but yet they're struggling with the same problem on Tuesday. And for some reason, even though praise brings victory, they weren't getting the victory and the refreshing that they were getting. They were getting refreshed in their spirit, but they weren't getting what they needed to conquer and change what was going on in their life. So what I'm going to be teaching you next week is the facts, the actual steps in which we change. First is environmental, and then there's different things. And as you go each level up, the things below that no longer even matter. 
It doesn't doesn't even affect you anymore because when you step to a new dimension in God, it changes the way you think and the way you live. So uh, that may seem a little bit psychological or sound like psychology, but it's not. It's really from the Word of God. So if if we can stop having an erosion take place where we come in and we worship the Lord and we get refreshed, and then by Tuesday or Wednesday we need to call somebody or we need to talk to pastor or something because we just can't seem to keep life moving in the right direction. I promise you, you'll be changed by it. I really do. I hope you can be here for that. So that's next week. I guess I'm doing a little infomercial, and I apologize for it being too long. But let's go to Acts 3, verse 19, and we'll begin reading in verse 19. It says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted. Everyone say converted. That means to turn around, basically. Be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When times, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution. There we say restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Jesus, change us, move in us. Lord God, make your word alive. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. All right, you may be seated in the house of the Lord. Hydration is a very important thing in summer, and there is quite a bit of discussion in the scriptures about water. Water not only sustains our bodies and communities in which we live, How many know that there's water towers all over the city specifically designed to hold an excess of water because it's so important? But also it's an integral part of our spiritual life. The Bible is rich with images of water that symbolizes new life. Can you say amen to that? Cleansing, it symbolizes cleansing and the fulfillment of God's promises. To see just a few of the ways that water trickles and gushes through the Word of God, you only need to reflect on a few passages of Scripture. And and may I just make some comparisons real quick before I get into the Word of God. I, how many are tired here today? How many are wore out? You're pretty wore out. It's been a long week. All right. Well, I I want you to know that regardless of how tired you are, There's a powerful touch of God's Spirit where it literally quickens and revives you to where you can be tired in body and like literally come alive in the presence of God and then come off of that. Have you ever had that experience where maybe you haven't, where you get into a worship service and God begins to move and for some reason the physical fatigue kind of falls away for a little while and you're just worshiping God and you forget all about the ankles that hurt or all about the the back that's hurting and for some reason lifting your hands is not too difficult and you just begin to worship God and somehow his spirit touches you in such a special way as he has designed it that his divinity would come down and lift us up from this flesh and this life and lift us into heavenly places, amen, into high praise places. And so all of a sudden, we realize that we're not just 
focusing on our physical our physicality anymore or the, or the feelings or even the pain maybe that was in our body but we're just worshiping him and his presence is moving and it's beautiful and then when service gets over we begin to fellowship and you're kind of coming off the high of a spiritual experience your emotions have been touched your nerves have been softened and and somehow you can come to church kind of upset and grumpy but you leave happy from the presence of the Lord somehow he touches us in the deep as part of us and changes literally how we feel and how we function. And so then you come kind of down off of that in about a few minutes or maybe even a few hours after service, you're like, whoa. <laughs> your body, your flesh kind of tethers you back to reality and all of a sudden you realize I am more tired than I even realized. And so like right now I'm feeling the presence of God inspiring me and quickening me to give me a word to you and and I haven't slept, you know, except for maybe 2 hours from 10 to noon to midnight last night and then got called in and I literally went to work till 4 in the morning and I thought, man, I'm going to have to have somebody else preach. I was like cock talking to my wife. I'm like, "Can you teach my message?" and I forwarded her the whole sermon in a text message. She's like, "That doesn't work. You're going to need to email me this." And so I emailed it to her and she's like, you know what, you know how important it is that you be in that pulpit tomorrow? And I just began to realize that I cannot step away from the fight even though my flesh is tired. I cannot step down. All I need to do is find a fresh drink of the Spirit of God and get rejuvenated so that I can give you what God has given me. And I promise you this, there are correlations between physical body dehydration and spiritual dehydration. Can I give you a couple of correlations? Would you preach with me right now? And you go ahead and figure them out for yourself. The bi- the literal situation with the human body is that the brain needs, excuse me, sorry, I'm fighting with my phone. The brain needs it to manufacture hormones and neurotransmitters. You need water for that. Agua, H2O. Okay, so you need it to form saliva, which helps in digestion. You need it to keep muscular membranes moist. You need it to regulate body temperature. You need it for respiration. You need it that it allows the cells to grow and reproduce and survive. Amen. It allows the body to heal. How many can preach with me there? This physical correlation to the spiritual correlation. When we have the living water of God in the house of God, when we truly have a life spring in each one of us, we know that God helps us in healing the body of Christ. It acts as a shock to the brain, a shock absorber to the brain and the spinal cord. It works and flushes body waste out of the body. It acts... In, in functions to convert food and components that we need to survive in digestion. Water is the major component of most body parts. Everyone say water. It helps deliver oxygen to all over the body. In other words, if you, have, if you don't have enough water, you can literally get to the point where you are so dehydrated that your body simply isn't functioning properly anymore. And you cannot, in some cases, get back just by taking a drink of water. You can get to the point where you're so dehydrated. Same with the Spirit. You can get to the point where you haven't prayed or you haven't sought God. And you can literally be to the point where you're so dehydrated that you have to go to the hospital of God. You have to go to the house of God. You have to call on the men and women of God to pray for you because you're dehydrated that much. You cannot drink enough water 
When you get so physically dehydrated, you literally have to be put into the hospital to recover. Amen? So hydration does a lot of things for us. The symptoms of dehydration is thirst, dizziness, confusion, fatigue, dry skin and mouth, less frequent urination. Obviously, there's different body functions that take place differently, and an increased heart rate. All of these things come from not having enough water. And the truth of the matter is you're supposed to drink before you get thirsty. So if I could preach that for a minute, if some of us would be willing to admit that sometimes we wait till we get thirsty for God before we drink, amen? We, we let ourselves kind of drift for a little while, and all of a sudden we realize, man, it's been a little bit too long since I got into the presence of God, to the closeness of God. And so it's refreshing to be in God's presence. And there's also other things. They say that you're supposed to drink 64 ounces of water a day. How many just got a little bit more thirsty? Oh, that's so good. I think I'll take another. When you watch somebody drink, does it make you want to have a drink? That's why they call it refreshments. God believes in refreshments, amen? When you get to the point of dehydration, you have to find the place where God can touch you. So the Spirit... Of God spoke to me and said that you need to preach about staying hydrated through the summer and simply this, that when summer busyness lays in, you cannot take away your experience with God. You cannot mi- mitigate that to some back row or back burner. You have to remember that you have to be in the house of God to respond to God's presence and to get filled with his presence and to be nourished by the Spirit of God. So, if you're thirsty... I'm glad to say that he has a reputation of being a rock in a dry land. If you're, if you're thirsty, he has a reputation of being a thirst quencher. And all the way into Revelations, it says, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me. Amen. So if you're looking for some place to have your thirst quenched, it is only found in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that I know that he replenishes me. I'm thankful that I know that his refreshing is for me. I'm thankful that I know that he has restitution and recovery for me. I'm thankful that I know that I can reply, replenish what's been lost. Amen? How many have ever lost anything and didn't know how you are going to get it back? Uh, this week has been a very difficult week for me because, you know, when we win, we have to win in certain areas of our spiritual walk. But whenever you see things happening in our world, like the Supreme Court making decisions like they've made this week. It just you just you just don't know really. I didn't understand. You know, the Bible says in the last days they'll be giving in marriage and, and all of those things, but I just didn't know it was that kind of marriage. I didn't know things were gonna change so much that we would literally see a culture that embraces it to the point that the Supreme Court is affected and literally says this is going to be okay. I want you to know that as things come to an end, as we're closing these last hours, even as the world is going haywire, God is still able, well able to keep his promises for end-time revival. Amen? For end-time refreshment in, in the spirit of mankind. So in these changes and different things that are going on, there's 
all kinds of talk about rain and water and different things. And some of them were agricultural because he was speaking to agricultural people. They tilled the ground. They prayed for rain and they prayed for rain for their crops because their crops were their livelihood. And the Bible talks about in four different places, actually five different places, in one reference that the, that he that God would give the former and the latter rain. And it was an agricultural thing talking about a blessing that God would give, literally asking the people to pray. The priest would say that the people should pray for rain. Doesn't that seem a little trite? seem a little trivial maybe that you would pray for rain but I promise you this if you're living in California you're praying for rain right now if you're living in a desert place if you're living in a dry place and there's a lack of water you would pray for rain amen you would do anything you could to catch a little rain you'd create some sort of system on your roof where the water ran down into a gutter and came down into a cistern and you somehow filtered that water and and got to where you had drinking water because if you're desperate enough for something to drink, you will find a way to get water. Amen. And the truth about it is, if you're spiritually starving enough and spiritually thirsty enough, that you can get anything from a message, that you can get anything from somebody preaching a word of God. And and they might not be the most polished. Paul even said, right? Paul said that I, I didn't come to you in, in words of that, of that enticed men, but I came to you in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. The thing that I'm praying for right now, and I'm praying for until we move into the next space that we're in, I'm praying that there is a demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm praying that God begins to move in a way that we cannot deny that he's done something every time we come together. Because in our culture, we've come to the point where sameness equals irrelevance. And if we stay the same when we come in as we go out, then it seems to register in our culture that it wasn't worth me being there. But if you understand that whenever you get thirsty and you tap into the understanding that your spirit is dry and parched every time you come to God, it's like being hogtied in the Sierra Desert all week. No matter how much you prayed, you need more water. Amen? No matter how much you've exercised or done what you've done this week or worked and lived for God, I promise you this, that this world and the places is that this world is going. We are we are living in a day that is a dry and weary land. Amen. But the promises of God are really true. And in Joel, he talks about the the Bible talks about how there's going to be a withering of trees and, a, and there's going to be a dryness in the land in the first book of Job. But then there's another place in the next chapter where it talks about that there's going to be a prophecy that this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel, that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So he gives literally of his spirit to all flesh. Everyone say all flesh. That's for you and that's for me. Amen. It would be important for us to realize that when we're talking about water raining on the earth in the Old Testament, it's literally referring to a spiritual experience in the New Testament. Can you say amen to that? <coughs> so what we're having happen is when you read the Bible, you literally see 
Different places in scripture where God speaks about water. Jeremiah 5 and 24 says, Let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter rain in his season. In other words, God has a season in which he's going to give a rain like he talked about in the Old Testament that usually was in October and November when they planted the crops over in Jerusalem area. And then the latter rain, which is usually in April and March, when they would literally, right before they would harvest the crop. So what he was saying was there's going to be a spiritual reign in our life of God's supernatural power. And it's not going to be like some preach, which I have to disagree with some of my brothers that preach, that is talking about the former reign in the book of Acts and the latter reign in the end times. It's not that's not what the scripture is saying. What the scripture say, literally says is that God is going to give us the former and the latter reign both at the same time, meaning that what they had in the book of Acts, where they had thousands come to God at one time, is going to happen today, and plus, we're going to see the latter day revival of the rain, the latter rain of God, his spirit pouring out on thirsty souls. Someone said amen. So in James 5 and 7, it says this, it says, be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman, I couldn't read my writing. The husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. He hath long patience for it. I've often asked the question, why is God waiting so long before coming back? It is getting to be a dark time. That is true, amen? But it's because of this scripture that I found that God is waiting for the precious fruit. Everyone say, precious fruit. On the earth, and have, and he has long patience for it. He's looking for the person who no one ever thought would come to God, coming to God. He's looking for the person who never thought they would get anything from the Lord being brought to God, because that would be precious fruit. In fact, we all are that until he receiveth the early and the latter, until he received the early and the latter rain. So he's long patient until he received the early and the latter rain. Literally, God is waiting for come, before he comes back, before the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise and we which are alive and remain are caught up in the air to meet him. God is literally waiting for precious fruit to be brought to pass and he is waiting for the former and the latter rain to come down. He said he would give it to us both together. Amen. That's a great revival of souls. That should be more exci- we should be more excited about that. So the reason why I'm saying we should be more excited is because that means that brothers are coming to the Lord. Sisters are coming to the Lord. Family members are coming to the Lord. And there's a turnaround. Literally something happens in our world that draws people to God. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you this. It's promised in the book, and I believe it. Amen? I believe it. So the first and the latter rain is going to be together. Not just what happened in the old days, but what's happening now. So Joel lists all of that litany of different depressing dilemmas in Joel 1. And then he says, and the new, there's different translations, but it says it shall come to pass. I read this, after that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. In those days they had servants and handmaids, and they weren't the same level they felt as they were. 
But God made sure he said it's for everybody. It's for everybody. It doesn't matter what their status is in life. doesn't matter what their social economic status is. You can be rich or poor, servants, no servants, or be the servant. And still, God's going to pour out his spirit upon you. So if someone tells you the Holy Ghost is not for today, I have one question. If someone tells you tongue-talking is not for today by the infilling of the Holy Ghost, I have one question. When did it stop being for today? When did it when was it good one day and then it wasn't good the next? And if that is true, then can you tell me who made the decision that it wasn't oh it was good today, but it's not good tomorrow? Do you see what I'm saying? Somebody had to make that choice, but I promise you this that Jesus Christ is still filling people with the Holy Ghost. There's still a revival taking place in our world. And though we may have a quiet service today, because some of us are a little tired, I don't really, really even care about physical fatigue, to be honest with you. I want God's power to move in this place and in our lives. And if he doesn't fill somebody with the Holy Ghost this Sunday, I'm believing him to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost next Sunday. And if he doesn't do it then, I believe it for the following Sunday. And if we get four or five Sundays out and we don't see somebody get filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to start telling about people getting the Holy Ghost in Africa and Pakistan and Afghanistan because there's thousands of people experiencing Acts 2.38 every single day in this world. Mm. And it's for everybody. And And I think... I think it's not coming. It's already here. I want to go on record today at LifeSpring Church International. <laughs> and I want to tell you, they always throw on international on some <laughs> I think that's hilarious. At LifeSpring Church International, I want to go. We are international. It's on the web. You can listen to it. Jonica can listen to it in Sri Lanka. He told us, I tried to listen, but I don't have good Wi-Fi. <laughs> I love that guy. So we're LifeSpring Church International. Congratulations, people. The Bible says that the former and latter rain will be together. We believe and we preach in a Pentecostal church that Jesus is coming back soon. I've heard it all my life, but you have to literally have your head in the sand if you don't see it. The prophecies are coming to pass. The news every day is changing. Our culture has literally endorsed different things. And have, as of this week, we have redefined the definition of marriage because of the Supreme Court ruling. There are things that are changing so rapidly that we literally are seeing the end of time things taking place. But I want you to know that even though it seems bleak and even though it seems like that's a depressing message, I have to tell you that it's not a depressing message because in the last days, the Bible promises us a great end time revival that the world has never seen. The former and the latter reign together. I keep on hitting that statement, trying to impact us with what it truly means. Let me give you the breakdown of what it truly means, and hopefully maybe I can encourage your spirit to lift your hands and be excited about this. We believe that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Someone said amen. 
We believe that even though it it is dark and dangerous spiritual days and people are living with no source of true living water, they are so dehydrated, they don't even know where to go to get a good drink. And friends don't let friends drink the cheap stuff. Hello, somebody. They take them to the well of living water. Even though we are living in dark days, I want to tell you the Bible promises us that in eve that there shall be a light in the evening time when it comes that we cannot no longer speak the truth in love because their definition of love cannot receive truth anymore i promise you this the bible tells us there will still be a light in evening time amen amen and amen and the bible also tells us that we will have the former and the latter reign together, both at the same time. So if all of those prophecies are true, I don't believe that we're waiting on revival to get here. I believe, and I go on record today, to say that revival has already begun right here, right now. Amen? Some preach it wrong And I am okay with somebody disagreeing with me. Maybe you don't want to say amen to the fact that I believe that the former reign, which means the Acts 2 experience, is going to happen today just like it happened back then. But I also believe that the latter reign is going to happen both together, like I'm saying. But we do have to understand that God did not say that I'm going to give you back then and I'm going to give you up there. He literally said, I'm going to give you the greatest revival that has ever been unleashed on the soul of man. There is going to be rivers of living water readily available to your spirit, man. And all who want it can be hydrated by it. Amen. Amen. He said, In the last days, he will give us the former, what we had in the book of Acts. Someone said amen to that. What a beautiful, powerful book to read through. The account and the stories and those that found God is just amazing. But he literally said, that's only the beginning with God. He said, plus I'm going to give you the latter rain. What does that mean? Let me help you, okay? Can you give me your brain for about five minutes? I'm just going to, you know, impress you with this and take a drink. You have to stay hydrated. Amen. We have water. Did you guys get a water when you came in? Amen. All right. Remember to drink up. I was going to I was going to go through this whole sermon and do toast to Jesus. <laughs> let's toast the Lord together. Hey, let's stay hydrated and have everybody drink. So, why don't we do that together? Get your bottle out. Let's just all wake up just a little bit cuz I'm preaching and you know, I I think there's this joke that's going around about people that watch TV from home, watch church from home and uh St. Peter standing at the gates and uh they put in a bunch of flat screens around the pearly gates. And uh, someone said, "What? what's all the new flat screens for, St. Peter? And he said, it's not St. Peter, but you know Peter. And uh, <laughs> in the joke, they say St. Peter. And he said, oh, that's for all the people that went to church online. They, they, get, to, they get to watch heaven. <laughs> Cheers to all those that are in the house of God today. 
Mm. So, we're serving a God who's begun revival right now. Bruce Howell, I don't know if you know that name, is the general missions, is the global missions, general superintendent of global missions for the United Pentecostal Church. He reported last year that 123,860 people were baptized with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. The, the, the thing that was the problem, Brother Howell said, is that they added 240,000 constituents to the church. So their number was so far off of what was reported and who actually received the Holy Ghost because they were added to the church. They added 240,000 people registered in churches around the world. Even though 123,860,000 were recorded as filled with the Holy Ghost. Last year, that happened in North America. God, in North America last year, God filled at least, now this is at least, the best numbers they could come up with, at least 60,000 people were baptized with the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues last year. <laughs> Revival's here, folks. That means that in one, now listen to this, be careful never to say that God's not moving and God's not doing. No matter how big or how great you have, what you have in the local church, remember that we're connected to something much longer, much larger and much longer than we are because this river doesn't just flow through here today. It flows through every church that names the name of the Lord, every church that reaches for his spirit, every church that desires with resentless love for God to see him do something for them. So this means that in one year's time, we have a book of Acts conversion. Literally, the book of Acts covers 75 years. But in one year's time, we have, I'm sorry, I'm trying to read my notes. As far as they can understand, in one year, they've had so many more than the book of Acts. I'll get back to that. Let me just read my notes because I wrote these whenever I was falling asleep <laughs> at the table this morning at 4 a.m. In one year, according to our best numbers from our general superintendent, they have realized that 183,160 people received the Holy Ghost last year in a United Pentecostal Church or an ALJC Church, a Lord of Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ Church. 183,160 people. That's 501 people a day receiving the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. And some people say it's not for us today. I'm sorry, I just don't agree with you. I, I, I'm okay with you not agreeing, but I, I don't know how you can look at what's going on in this latter day. I was watching something on Pakistan the other day, and this lady is just sitting there, and she they're all dressed in their normal Pakistani garb, heads wrapped, big dresses, what you normally see like on an Indian-looking woman, and they're all just dancing in like this, and there's no room because literally the crusade is full of people, and they're just dancing and doing this, speaking in tongues, and they're just there's a smile on their face because 
they don't have anything other than God. They don't have anything other than Him. Some of them live in huts. Some of them live in thatch huts and literally grass huts. They don't have anything else. But when they call the crusade, they come for miles and they come in droves to be there to feel the wave of God coming over the congregation because God's Spirit is so thick, because they're so desperate. And they're simple people, but they literally want God and they're so thirsty that God responds to it in such a powerful way and they're just dancing, speaking in tongues and they don't want anything else. They don't need good music. They literally bring like little cans, you know, like food cans with with what we would normally have, like green beans in it. They will empty out the food and they will take the can and they'll play it as their instrument and they'll play it so hard that they'll heat up the can and and burn burn the weld out of one end of the can literally to where they're just holding a cylinder because they've heated it so much because they're playing so vigorously to their God and they're so excited that there is a God who has something for them greater than the life that they're living. They don't know any better. All they know is God is for me. He's not against me and I'm not stuck where I am. He's pouring out his spirit on everybody on everybody amen amen thank you for standing and celebrating god with me just then that means 501 a day as we know those are numbers we literally know counted for are receiving the holy ghost this should hit you straight in the membrane That means that we have a day of Pentecost every six days. Every six days we have a book of Acts Pentecost. And not only that, but it only happened three times in the entire book of Acts, which is written over 75 years That means it happens 61 times a year right now. We are seeing the former. I'm yelling at you because I'm excited. We're seeing the former and the latter rain right now. It has begun. Revival has begun. I hope you're excited about that. Maybe as excited as I am. I don't know. And I'm not trying to be brash or unkind or anything, but I, I don't. I don't believe when someone gets up and starts talking about revival is just around the corner or revival is just down the road or or we've got a promise of revival coming down our dusty road or or Jesus. We have so many creative ways to push revival into the future and never get there. But I've come to declare at LifeSpring International this morning that we are in revival. God is pouring out his refreshing spirit. And I stand to say I believe it. I was fasting a Tuesday ago. It's so hard to fast at work because everybody's like, what are you doing? Why aren't you eating? Why don't you go to lunch? So I get in my car and I drive over to Pewaukee Lake and I park in the parking lot. And it doesn't matter to me who's passing or what's going on. I'm literally sitting in my car. And I'm just weeping, and all I can say is, I believe it. 
I believe it. I believe it from everything down in me that there's revival happening. I believe that people are going to come. People are going to see your spirit. People are going to be touched by God. I believe it with everything that is in me. And because I believe it, the Bible says I will receive it. If you don't want it, that's okay. But I want it. I want it more than anything. I want to see people change. I want to see healings change. I, I have friends who've watched tumors dry up on the side of somebody's neck as they prayed for them. I've, I've seen people pull people out of the wheelchair. I, I was walking out of a coliseum in an arena at General Conference, and a woman was pushing her wheelchair, and she hadn't been out of it for 11 years. But God healed her at that conference. I want that here. I want that here. Amen. And I know Kim got up out of her wheelchair and walked down one day. I'm so grateful for the things that God does that I don't even remember. Revival's happening right now. I had a friend uh, right now he's the worship pastor. I won't use the church but it's a worship, it's a Methodist church and um, when the Supreme Court made their ruling he said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do because their pastor is being handed according to the Senate of the Methodist Church, the Congress of the Methodist Church, the hierarchy of them. They're pushing down that those pastors are going to have to do same-sex marriages. And he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. My pastor said that he's going to retire if they force him to do that. And they're literally looking like a church that was thriving and flourishing looks like it's going to crumble and it, nobody has any certainty and he literally posted on a facebook on a social site on facebook he said i fear what comes next that's all he could say he doesn't know where to go to get a drink of living water there is no fear in me for what comes next because I know greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world but if you're not putting anything in Fear is the replacement because you have no certainty and we are people that need control, but he's in control. We don't have to be in control. There's got to be a constant in your life. I'll hit that next week. So I was thinking about this and um, Jack Cunningham, a friend of ours, he's, he's the district superintendent of the state of Virginia and he was my district superintendent when I lived in Virginia and he's a great man of God and he was preaching one night on receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in his church. And a man, good-looking man, came walking down the aisle and walked up to the edge of the pulpit, and he was he was just, you know, crying tears. And he said, I heard you preach on the Holy Ghost. I don't know if it's for me. I don't know if it's for today. All I've been told and all that I've ever studied in seminary and says that tongues have ceased and all of these things that get told to people when not necessarily uh, un, unkind people and not people trying to do the wrong thing, really good-hearted people, but they've been handed something that they haven't truly studied out in the Word of God. And so what happens is because you're not living truth, the Spirit dries up. And so he's literally coming down because he senses the source of water. He's like thirsty for it. And he sees there's a difference in it. And I, and I want that. So he comes down and he tells the pastor that I, I, want, I want what you're talking about, but I just don't know if it's for me. And so he told him, he said, Craig, and that was his name. He said, Craig, 
would you do me a favor? And Craig says, sure, I'll do, I'll do anything. What do you, what do you want? And, and he says, where, where, are you, where are you from? And he said, I'm the pastor of the United Methodist Church across town, the large United Methodist Church. And I'm using Methodist today, but forgive me, it, it could be any religion, really. There's Catholics getting the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. If you actually know anything about the history of the area, if you go up to, and maybe I'm jumping off topic, I apologize, but if you go up to Holy Hill, there used to be a section along the side of Holy Hill where there's a screen and there's like crutches in there and different things. They were having miracles happen because people that believe get a miracle because faith is the currency of heaven. You don't have to know everything and have everything and be completely understanding all of God to have a miracle take place in your life. Amen. And the scripture that I read to you today is coming off of a miracle. Literally, they raised the man at the gate beautiful. Everybody gathered around to see why is this guy jumping and leaping and why is strength to his legs? And they thought because of those, was it John and James? I'm losing my, who was it that raised him up? Somebody help me. Peter and John. Yeah, I read it this morning, but I forgot it by now. And it's in here somewhere. I just can't find it in my notes. <laughs> we were looking at my notes last week going, wow, how does he get through this? This is what happens when I'm tired and I have notes like that. So he said, I heard, um, they, they said, um, Peter and John said, don't, don't look at us as if it was our power or our righteousness. That's what they said. It wasn't our righteousness. It wasn't our righteousness. It wasn't our power. It was the power of God working in us. So they come off of that and then they get sequestered and they get thrown in jail overnight because the Bible said it was evening time. And so they get thrown in jail overnight and then they get brought out and they get questioned by the Sadducees, I believe it was, if I remember everything correctly. And 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 as they're questioning them, they're like, we don't want you to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And And he was like, one of the two men that were there said, look, he got his miracle because he believed in the name of Jesus and he believed that in the God that we serve. So he's like, silver and gold have I none. And this guy's like, whenever John turned to him and the Bible said he fixed his eyes on him, he's like, look on us. And he's like, oh, I'm going to win the lottery right now. And he's like, no, silver and gold have I none. Talk about a letdown, right? Complete downer. He said, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. So by faith, he got his miracle, but... The interesting thing is everybody else gathered around because they didn't know why it happened or how it happened. And the Sadducees got so irritated that they're like, don't preach in the name anymore. And that's that seems to be something that you'd not want to do if you were thrown in jail overnight. And then you were told, if you do this again, there's going to be great consequences. So don't be preaching in the name. They could have just preached in some other title, right? No, but the name is what they preached in because the name had power. The name had authority. The name is where the source is. And what you understand about the name is the Bible says that we must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus is the truth. Amen? So when we talk about worshiping in spirit and in truth, some people don't have a fresh drink of spiritual water because they're not living truth in their life. And the more we become like Jesus, who is truth incarnate, his truth lived out, the more we become truth incarnate, the more this word gets lived out in us. And we stop and we begin to become in our private life what we are in our public life. And we lose the, the label of being a hypocrite and it just falls off of us. And all of a sudden we start living for God in a way that we have complete homogenous 
homogenous lifestyle. In other words, if you sample our life at any point, we get up at three in the morning, we're the same Christian. We go to bed for it in the morning or we have to work all night like me. I'm the same Christian. I promise you this, there is a place in my life that is a goal all of my life. I want to be the same in private that I am in public. I want to be a person that when you knock on my door at 7 p.m., I'm just as kind and I'm just as considerate to you as Jesus would be in that moment. When you go buy a jug of milk and it's homogenized, that means what you pour out the top is going to be the same as what you pour out at the bottom. It's homogenized. It's the same. Homo, same. It's the same word that we're dealing with right now in the Supreme Court. But I'm not going there again because I already hit it twice and I really didn't want to put that in my sermon, but it got there because that's where we're at. And the Spirit of the Lord is pushing me to tell you that are you the same? Are you living out truth? Is there some way that you are gaining in the truth of your life that as you learn from God, you're making it a practice in your life? Or are you just coming to be refreshed and not living truth? Because you got to have both. You can't have a hold on spiritualism and not have a hold on truth. You can't have a hold on, on demonstration of the Spirit and not have a hold on doctrine. Jesus died like and we have to do the same. Grab on to apostolic doctrine and hold on to apostolic demonstration. That's the only way that there's fresh water in the house of God every single Sunday. That's the only way that we feel nourished when we leave here and it doesn't seem irrelevant. God wants us to understand that he has a demonstration and a refreshing for everyone. So I'm preaching about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, this refreshing that was in my text, when a time of refreshing shall come to those that believe. Repent, repent and be converted, and a time of refreshing shall come. So this man, Craig, I don't know if you have any angst of me leaving that story, like, let's get the guy saved. But um, I'm going to get back to that. So... He came and Brother Cunningham got the, some of the details and, and he said, Craig, would you do me a favor? Do you really want the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues? Do you want it bad enough to do something for me? He's like, I I just don't know. I don't know. I'm confused. He said, okay, do this. This week in your private time, would you pray and ask God if it is for me, would you give it to me? When you pray and you seek God, ask him, God, if the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues is for me and for today, would you give it to me? He's like, I'll do that. I'll, I'll do that. I can do that. And so Craig turns and he leaves and walks out the back of the church. And they go on, they have service. And Brother Cunningham said like 25 or 30 people, they have like, I don't know, 700 meeting in their sanctuary now. And he said 25 or 30 people got the Holy Ghost and altar calls going on. And here comes Craig walking back in from the back, tears running down his face. And he walks up to the pulpit and Brother Cunningham goes, Craig, what's what's up with you, brother? What's going on? He goes, I did what you asked me to do. I went out and I got in my Volkswagen bug. He's driving a Volkswagen bug. Okay. I got in my Volkswagen bug. And I drove out of here and I turned onto the on-ramp and I got on the freeway and I was headed down the freeway and I said, 
Jesus, if this Holy Ghost is for me, would you give it to me? And tears began to flood my eyes, and I had to pull off to the side of the road and stop. He goes, and when I got over to the side of the road and put my car in park, I just began to worship the Lord. He said, and God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues while I sat in my car on the side of the road. He said, I had to wait till I got through with everything I was feeling because I surely didn't want to stop because it felt so good to my spirit. He goes, and then I turned my car around and I've come back to tell you that I've experienced what you were preaching about even though I didn't know if it was for me. I've experienced it and nobody can tell me it's not real. Nobody can tell me it's not real because when you experience something, it can't be taken away. So Craig Craig stayed there and prayed at the altar for a while and then he told Pastor Cunningham, he said, would you come and preach this at my church? <laughs> Pastor Cunningham's like, oh, let me think about it, sure. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I'll come and preach at your church. And what he did... What he didn't know is that if Craig was to have him come preach it on a Sunday, it would wreck the church. I mean, people just wouldn't understand what's going on. So he held a special meeting on an off night. And he said there was about 81 people at that meeting. And Craig sat on the edge of the of the platform in like a turtleneck and like, you know, he said he looked all suave and everything. He goes, so I'm not going to get up there and preach the word of the Lord to him. If he's sitting on the edge of the platform, you know, so he goes, so I just, when he brought me up, I just went over and I sat on the platform and I just began to tell him about the power of the Holy Ghost and how God moves in special ways and he touches people. And if you just release control to his control and you just worship him, he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. And and while Brother Cunningham was talking, a man got up and walked over and confronted Craig, his pastor, didn't ask him the question, was arguing with his pastor and well, so while Brother Cunningham's continuing to go on, this man comes over and he said, he said, why would you dare do this to our church? Why would you bring somebody in here to talk about speaking in tongues? It's not for us and it's not for today. Why would you wreck our church like this? And while he was combating his pastor over there, Brother Cunningham, before he even could answer, and before Craig, the pastor, could even answer, there was an 86-year-old woman sitting on the front row. And she kind of leaned over and just wiggled her bony finger like this, and she said, Sonny, <laughs> you might want to sit down a minute. I need to tell something. I need to tell you something. Why don't you come on over here and sit down next to me? And she's talking loud enough for everybody to hear. And this 86-year-old woman went on to tell about... Um, I'm sorry, I lost the number here. When about 40 years, 40 years before that, there had been a fire preacher come through that preached about the infilling of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. He said, and, and you may not want it now, and you may say it's not for today, but it never stopped being for today. Because your daddy was underneath that pew right there, speaking in tongues like a Chinaman when he got the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know that what you're fighting is what has always built this church. And if you look at the Methodist symbol, there's a cross and there's fire going up the side. That fire represented the fire of the Holy Ghost and power in a Methodist church. And old Methodist preachers and preachers' wives and women 
would be so powerful and anointed of God. They didn't have all the truth, but they were on the right path because the Bible says if you get full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will lead and guide you into all truth. Amen. So you have to know that if somebody just gets the Holy Ghost, doesn't matter where they are in their walk with God, if you just get them full of the Holy Ghost, God will start to work on them. Amen? Oh, man, that's so good. I just... And I finish... I finish with this. So, out of that story, I guess I could finish that way, is um, this guy had a problem with it and was sitting there, and then Jack Cunningham went back to teaching about the Holy Ghost. And when he got done, he gave an altar call. And I said 81, but it was roughly 80. At the altar call of that service, that special held service, 66 people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that guy that was sitting there that said it was not for today was doing this. He's like, whoa. And he was never the same. And so I, I can tell you this. If you want it, you can have it. And I would tell you this. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues, it's for everybody And if you will just ask the Lord, Lord, if it's for me, if you pray that prayer, Lord, if it's for me, would you give it to me? And God will. Would you stand with me? Sometimes, you know, people think that pastors know what to do at the end of a service. Like they know how to flow an altar call and do everything. And sometimes the Spirit of the Lord tells me what to do ahead of time. Sometimes I don't know, I don't have a clue what's going to happen. And I just let God do whatever he's going to do. You literally don't have to have anything other than an open heart to have God fill you with the Spirit. And I know we're talking about times of refreshing, but next week I want to deal with an issue of being refreshed but not being changed. And I think it's going to bless you. And I know this is a little bit lighter of a service, but if you leave here with anything, leave knowing this. The greatest tragedy would be to try to live for God without living water. That would be the greatest tragedy. Because you're constantly here going to feel like just something more. I just There's something else. There's some, it's just something not quite. And I'm not putting anybody down or saying that people don't have a relationship with God. I believe that. I, I watch people spend 20 years coming to an experience of baptism in Jesus' name, filling with the Holy Ghost. And after they do it, they're like, why did I do this sooner? But God was working on their heart the whole time. He was mending and he was helping and he was giving them a desire. And and when the desire comes, it's overwhelming. So let me say this to close. There was a couple that went on a cruise and they'd never been on a cruise before and they decided that they were going to save up all their money and so they saved for a year to pay the access and pay the cruise tickets to go on this Caribbean cruise and they were so excited the day came they boarded the ship mined the gap they all of they, they saw the layout of the boat and all the stuff that was on the ship and they thought wow this is going to be the most amazing trip of our life 
And so they had packed themselves coolers and different things because all they had was enough money to buy the ticket to go on the cruise. They didn't have any extra money for food or for anything extra. They just they were just going to sail the seas and that was the biggest thing to them and they were going to get to see every place that they were taking them and get off the boat and check out the little communities and they were so excited. And so every night they would go up and they would watch the sunset, the beautiful sunset as the boat drifted through the ocean and and then they would go down to their room and they would open up their coolers and all they had was cheese and crackers and so for 14 days every meal down in their room cheese and crackers and they were happy with their cheese and crackers and they were okay with that because they realized that I couldn't have the experience of this amazing cruise if we didn't have some food to eat and this is all we've got. And so what they did was they got to the last night and they had saved up enough money and they were going to go have themselves a night. They were going to go up to the fine restaurant up on deck. They were going to have the best steak and the best lobster that money could buy. They had saved it for that one last night, the big hurrah. So they get all dressed up. They get looking nice. They're really fancied up. They got their best clothes on and best shoes. And they go walking into this place, this beautiful restaurant. And they get seated, seated down and they're looking at the menu and there's no prices on the menu. You know it costs a lot when there's no prices on the menu. Hello, somebody. And so they're sitting there and they're taking this wonderful meal in and they get steak and they get appetizers and they get this most and they're just sitting there and they're so full and they get this amazing dessert they're like wow what an experience never would we thought that we could have a meal like that on a beautiful boat like this in a beautiful Caribbean setting and when they got done they were getting ready to leave and they're like we'll take the check and the waitress said check I don't understand what you mean. Like, well, we we know it's expensive because there was no prices on the menu, but we saved up for this one meal so we could really enjoy this last night. And they said, no, no, no. There's no prices on the menu because your ticket on the boat covered all of your expenses. You could have had any food you wanted the entire trip. But you settled for cheese and crackers in a small cabin. And what I've come to offer somebody today is you without the refreshing gift of the Holy Ghost is cheese and crackers in this cruise of life when God has purchased everything for you. He has given you all. There's a free open menu, a free great experience for you. Don't settle for cheese and crackers in a cabin when you could have everything God has for you. Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? I don't know who in this room is cruising through life and they've settled for things that are not all that you have for them. Maybe they've been given that by somebody else. Maybe they heard that 
somewhere you this is how it is and that's just you're just going to have to try to believe better and you're just going to have to try to build your faith more and and no I know it's confusing and frustrating but but you're just going to have to try to figure it out on your own and maybe maybe you could study the bible a little bit more and figure that out and and no actually it was a thirst in the soul that can't be satisfied except for through the power of the holy spirit how foolish how foolish we are, Lord, as humans to think that what we be, what you begun in the Spirit, we can accomplish in the flesh. There is a greater experience for every one of us in you. And even us, us who have the Spirit of life springing up inside of us, the Bible says, as a living river that would flow out of our belly, even us that have that experience, maybe we've drifted away from the bank of the shore and maybe we're feeling a little bit parched today. Would you help us all in some way? to realize that you bought and paid all of it so that we could have a full experience with you. Would you give somebody a craving, Lord Jesus, in this room right now to not settle for where they've been, but to reach their whole life for you, to reach their whole life for you, to draw as much out of the well of life as possible by drawing out of the well of living water. Refresh somebody today, I pray. If you receive that prayer, would you say amen?